Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, February 6th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's our first show from Arizona, site of Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs and Eagles. So, of course, we go to Philadelphia. Today's guest is former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio. He played in Kansas City from 1991 until 1995, and among his claims to fame, catching four, that's right, four touchdown passes. Valerio grew up in Philly, went to the University of Pennsylvania, and returned to the city of brotherly love after his playing days, so he closely follows the Eagles, as well as co-hosting the Believe in Chiefs podcast with Jeff Fidogan. He once had a fantasy football team called the Kansadelphia Cheagles. On today's show, Joe walks us through his keys to the game. As you might expect, he spends plenty of time breaking down the offensive and defensive lines. We talk about how the Eagles' run-pass option, or RPO, can do damage to the Chiefs, and how, by following the blocking lead of his offensive lineman, Patrick Mahomes avoids the sack. After a break, you'll hear a short take from Royal shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. He spoke to the motivation he receives from Mahomes, a fellow Texan. Okay. Let's get started. Joe, welcome to Sportsbeat KC. It's great to have you on. Uh, Super Bowl week has arrived. How cool is this that it is the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, Blair, this is actually really cool for me. Um, while, you know, I have got my cool Arrowhead background on, I am actually dialing in from the city of brotherly love where I live and have made my home all my life, uh, other than my my six years in, in Kansas City. So uh, this is a, a very interesting Super Bowl. At one point, Blair, I had a, um, a fantasy football team uh, that their name, I named them the Kansadelphia Cheagles. So... <laughs> This is almost like all of those fantasy football dreams coming true for me because, you know, obviously, like anybody who's a Kansas City, lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan, you know, I grew up in, in Philadelphia and, and I was an Eagles fan. So, you know, it's a team that I've followed my whole life. And then you throw in the, you know, my time in Kansas City and the wonderful opportunity from the Hunt family and Carl Peterson and Marty Schottenheimer that I received and, and the incredible time that my wife and I spent being welcomed into the Kansas City family. Like, I, it just, you know, I'm I'm so happy for this organization and the success they've had uh, over these years. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, to continue the 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 Philadelphia bona fides here, um, you went to the University of Pennsylvania, played for the Penn Quakers, following our own Vahe Gregorian uh, <laughs> into the program. Of course, Vahe a uh, walk-on wide receiver, Joe, uh, an all-IV offensive lineman in the second-round pick for the Chiefs in the uh, in the 91 draft. I believe you were tucked between, was it was it Harvey Williams and, and, and Tim Barnett? Does that? And Tim Barnett, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that was, uh, you know, I'll, it, was ama- it was amazing, right? I mean, I think about, you know, I'll never forget my conversation with Carl Peterson to keep a, a very long story short. You know, I had done an internship at a local financial services firm here in the Philadelphia area right before my senior year in college. And it turned out that I was uh, working for uh, one of Carl Peterson's best friends. Uh, and I didn't even know it at the time. And, you know, when I met Mr. Peterson and Marty at the uh, and Howard Mudd at the combine, they basically said, well, Joe, just to let you know, the way that you handled yourself at that internship is, is why we're going to draft you next month in, in the draft. And I, I, I was like taken aback and, you know, I, I and he said, and he said, the reason, the way that you acted during that internship is, is, you know, you showed us that you can do the right thing when no one's watching. 
And I was just take completely aghast that, 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 you know, that lesson I learned that early on in my life that, you know, you got to always work hard at no matter what you're doing. Cause he, he later said, you know, Joe, you, um, you know, a lot of guys at the combine can run and pass and catch and throw and tackle and do all those things. He said, but you know, the hunt family wants people in the locker room they can trust. And I was just like, wow, that was pretty amazing story and kind of brought me back to my pen roots and also to my, uh, to my, my chief's roots and kind of pulled it all together at the draft. That's very cool. Um, and it got you in the end zone a few times too. They trust yeah, you in the end zone. <laughs> exactly. A lot of trust there. I'll tell you, Joe Montana, uh, when we first put that play in, you know, it, he was amazing because when we got in the huddle, you know, listen, I was only what, maybe several hundred uh, touchdowns short of Jerry Rice. But, uh, you know, Joe actually called the play in the huddle like I was Jerry Rice. Like he never he never really made a big deal of it. And that actually gave me even more confidence. Right. He's like, oh, he just trusts me to do this. I'm just another receiver and we're running another play, even though they always seem to be big games. Right. With Joe it was the Raiders. It was the it was the 49ers matchup with him and Steve Young. It was the Monday night Elway shootout. But. Joe just called those plays like literally like I was Jerry Rice. He never made a big thing of it and, you know, asked if I was okay and if I was ready to get the ball, you know, or, or looked me up and down to make sure I was, you know, in good shape or something. And, and, you know, that kind of confidence that people have in you, you know, going back to the, the, you know, sort of the earlier story about the chiefs and Carl Peterson and Marty, it does make you, it does help you bring a different kind of confidence to the field for sure. Yeah. Okay, Joe. I want I want to get your perspective on on both yeah. teams because you follow them both very closely. Let's let's start with the Eagles, though. Mm -hmm. I, you know, so the Eagles make the playoffs last season and kind of the last week thing, as I recall, they 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 won their way into the playoffs and uh, went down to Tampa Bay and, and lost to to Tom Brady's team. Um, and uh, but I wasn't sure what to think about the Eagles coming off of that season, but then they went out and made some terrific acquisitions, um, really upgraded the roster. And look, it was already a, a good roster, but it, it went from a, a kind of a good to a terrific roster with Hassan Reddick and AJ Brown and James Bradbury. And, you know, just uh, some really nice upgrades for them that took them from, I, I think I want to say they were either nine or eight and 10 and seven that year to, you know, 14 and three in the regular season and, and only that because of the, the injury to, you know, to, you know, to the quarterback. So what, uh, what have you seen from the Eagles? Where, where have they, they've up upgraded the roster, but where are they better on the field than they have been in the past? Well, receiver, you know, I think, I think they built some things around Jalen Hurts so that he could, you know, really execute the run pass option uh, most effectively. And I think that's really where they, they really made those, those upgrades. Um, you know, not that they, they already had Devonta Smith, they already had Quez Watkins, but they've developed, you know, Dallas Goddard into, you know, sort of what I would call a, a mini Travis Kelsey, somebody who plays that style, you know, more, more receiver than he is tight end. Um, and then of course the AJ Brown pickup was, was huge. Um, that really, I think gave them the receiver that they needed to double team um, and open other things up and the receiver that could hold linebackers and hold strong safeties so that it could make the RPO that much more effective. And then Jalen just did a great job of developing his style around the RPO. They've got, I think along with the chiefs, they're, they're the two best offensive lines in the NFL for sure. And I'm not, I'm not saying that just being biased, both sides of the ball or being biased towards offensive lines and offensive linemen. But I think they have absolutely the two best offensive lines 
uh, tackle to tackle. You know, they're, they're aggressive. They have a passion for protecting the quarterback. And that's what I think the Eagles really built around. They built around how can we make this offensive line most effective. And, you know, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell are, they're, you know, no, no, with no offense to them at all, much like the, much like the, the chiefs um, running backs, they're B, B plus players, right? There's no Earl Campbell's or Walter Payton's or, you know, Priest Holmes or Jamal Charles is back there for, for either team. But both teams make a, a huge uh, – they, they have a great way of using effectively their running backs, especially the way the Eagles use it in the RPO. If you watch that San Francisco game, they gashed some holes uh, for those Eagles running backs that any running back could have – you could have driven a truck through some of those holes. And it's because of you know the ability to hold linebackers and hold strong safeties who are filling. And, and I think that's probably what the Chiefs have to work on the most this week. Okay, and uh, speaking of the Chiefs, uh, you know the the you and and uh, and Jeff Fedoten with the terrific uh, Believe in Chiefs podcast that that you do every week, uh, great listen. We'll link to it uh, on on our uh, story about this podcast. So you pay close attention to to the Chiefs. You know them as well as anybody. I, I really liked your observation about the offensive line. I think that that flies under the radar a little bit. They've had that offensive line has had a very nice year. Um, mm -hmm. They've managed to stay healthy most of the year. There have been some years like the Super Bowl lost year to the Tampa Bay Bucks, where you know injuries really hurt them uh, in that season. But you're right, uh, staying healthy has has really helped them. The the middle three have just been fantastic. Um, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, and of course Joe Tooney. Um, and they're actually, and not, I shouldn't say actually, but they're getting good tackle play from Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley. So um, let's let's start there with them. What, what have you seen from the Chiefs' offensive line? What's made them effective this year? Well, they're they're you know they're maulers, and and especially on the inside, right? When you watch the way that that Joe Creed and Trey just attack those two defensive tackles and the middle linebacker who's trying to fill, they're just they make they just make a mess of it up there for, for defensive fronts. And, and they really allow that push um, and, and allows us, allows us to really, you know, have that, you know, extra yard or two that you need. Cause you, you know, very rare are you breaking these eight, nine yard runs in the NFL these days with the athletic ability of these linebackers and defensive players, but they're definitely um, have that edge where they're, they're always looking for the extra yard or two. And I think Isaiah Pacheco adds to that uh, myth that he just, he runs like he hates the ground and, you know, he just, he makes it and it all kind of fits together, Blair. It's just all that get after it attitude in the run game. Um, again, not having a Christian Okoye or, you know, a priest Holmes or Jamal Charles type again, taking nothing away from Isaiah or, or Jarek or, or any of the running backs that the Eagles have in their stable. It just, they don't, you know, they've got to earn every yard that they can. And I think that's what this offensive line does. They earn it. They, nothing's given to them by having a running back like a Derrick Henry, who's going to get that extra two or three yards just by being who they are. And, and I think that's, you know, very, very important up front. And they have a passion for protecting Patrick and they're getting a lot better understanding where he is or where he's going to be or where he wants to go. And, you know, Patrick has an uncanny ability of finding the pocket within the pocket and they're getting used to that, right? They're getting used to staying on their blocks just and just figuring out and using the defensive lineman's body 
against themselves. So, you know, when you, when you're pass blocking, you know, you're not only, you have to know where the quarterback is so you can set your feet, but once you start to feel things moving, you've got to know how that defensive player is reacting. And if they feel them going slightly to the inside, they kind of know, Oh, I better take this. I better take this defensive lineman that direction. They don't try to fight it and keep them from going that direction. Once, once the defensive lineman starts going to their left, then they just take them to the left. And then Patrick finds that pocket within the pocket. It's a, it's a, it's a skill. I mean, there's, there's, it is not easy because your first thought when you're pass blocking and you feel um, like if you think the quarterback is going to be lined up six or seven yards behind you, right. In a standard Joe, Dan Marino, John Elway drop back passing game. Like you kind of like try to position yourself. So, Oh, I can't let the, I can't let them get, but I have to stay between me and the quarter. I have to keep myself between the defensive player and the quarterback. But in this offense, they just take the defensive lineman where they want them to go. And once they sense them going somewhere, they take them. Patrick steps up. He finds the pocket within the pocket, gives that extra second for his receivers to get open and boom, they make it happen. So that's the magic of how it all happens. And you just got to rep it. And, you know, you kind of said it in there, Blair, it, it really comes down to chemistry and staying together and playing together. And that's why it was such a disaster in that one Super Bowl when you didn't have that chemistry. Right. And um, and look, uh, Mahomes' sacks are down this year, or sacks are mm -hmm. down uh, for the Chiefs, uh, but they're playing an Eagles team that does nothing but get to the quarterback. What is it, 70 sacks or something? Some ridiculous number from this, the Eagles' defensive line. So certainly um, – uh, put some pressure on the Chiefs' offensive line. It's a, it's what, what a, what a big task they're going to have on on Sunday. Yeah, I think this game comes down to to two things. Um, you know, obviously, of course, three things. I'm always going to say that it's it's the offensive line, right? Because the games are one up front, and and how those two units on both sides of the ball perform to protect their quarterback and open holes and get movement is is going to be critical, right? That's that's a given. That's table stakes. But for me, I think what's the, 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 the next biggest thing is going to be how the Eagles uh, defense reacts to playing against the Patrick Mahomes and how the Chiefs defense reacts against playing against the Jalen Hurts. And these are the reasons why the Eagles haven't really seen anybody like Patrick Mahomes this year. They really haven't. Let's be truthful. They have not played against a playmaker like him or an offense that is as complicated, complex and as I keep using this word magical as the Chiefs offense. They just haven't. And that's that's the honesty that comes with it. Um, on the other side of the ball, the Chiefs haven't seen anything like this. Right. I mean, the Chiefs haven't seen a, a Jalen Hurst. Yeah, they've played against some fantastic footwork and, and sort of happy feet quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. You know, to a certain degree, you know, whenever they get to play the Ravens or Lamar Jackson um, and, and even Derek Carr and Justin Herbert. Right. They're they're. They're fantastic footwork quarterbacks that are not in your traditional John Elway, Dan Marino style. But the, the Chiefs have not seen the RPO, um, even though they've seen some very mobile quarterbacks. And it's a different it's a different animal. I coached high school football for 11 years and we used to run the triple option. And I know what a fit that used to give teams, because if you're not disciplined and you haven't practiced it, it's really hard to defend because, you know, you get so you, you, it's not, not that you get undisciplined, but you know, you're trying to make a play in a split second and all it takes is one pull of the ball or one decision by the quarterback and you're caught flat footed. And that's what I think the, the Eagles were able to do to the 49ers and some of those big gashing runs. And 
my, my hat's off to, you know, Steve Spagnola and, and they're going to have to put together some fantastic, what I call scout cards, Blair. Like here's something a lot of listeners and fans don't realize is during the week when you're playing a team, um, you know, you have, we call it, we used to call now I'm sure they do them on iPads, but when we, when we played, we did scout cards, right. And they were on three ring binder and you had an offensive assistant that would draw up the plays, right. They would draw up the plays of the Eagles, right. So on this play, this is where they go. This is the blocking scheme. And then you give a number one Jersey for Jalen hurts to, you know, your most mobile quarterback. And, you know, you give Antonio Brown Jersey to, you know, your biggest receiver and you say, okay, be the Eagles. The Chiefs are going to have their work cut out for them trying to emulate this RPO thing because it's dangerous. And, and I feel like um, if if the if the if the Chiefs don't get that right and give the the Chiefs defense like good muscle memory to stop this RPO, you know, because it's more than just watching film and saying, oh, when he pulls the ball, this is what, you need to feel those things like on the field, like you need to feel what it's like to be not blocked. And, to, and to, to be optioned by somebody and you need to be at the linebacker position and hold your ground to wait to see what Jalen does and then drop in your pass protection, you know, knowing that he's, or your pass coverage, knowing that he's not running. They need that. So whoever's drawing up those cards and whoever's wearing those jerseys of the Antonio Brown and Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts, especially make sure you're acting like those guys give the defense a look. That's what our, that's what our coaches always say. Give the defense a look. And that's important. And, and that's something people don't realize that all week that preparation is going to be happening. So big, big responsibility for defensive ends in the RPO, right? I mean, they're the ones that's kind of the first line and, and uh, linebackers and safeties too, but uh, defensive ends have really got to be disciplined in, in against the RPO. Definitely. Because you don't, like you said, you don't want to get caught flat footed. You want to make the right read. You know, if, if he's coming at you and he decides to keep it, you know, you want to make sure you're disciplined, but if he decides to pull up and, and, you know, and, 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 and if, if, if it draws the linebackers up too far and he just pulls out and throws that pass, who, you know, it, it could be, it could be a long day for the intermediate passing game. Um, Cause that's generally where the RPO happens. Right. Right. Uh, and we're all interested just as in, in Kansas city in, in Mahomes' ankle, you know, hurts his shoulder and see how that might affect him. I listen, I think for both quarterbacks in this game, uh, they're, they're, they're going to go at it a hundred percent. We're not going to see the, the effects of the injuries that they've been dealing with. Um, but I, I, I do think that the shoulder injury has affected hurts in, in the RPO in, in, in some games, you know, when he came back and favored that shoulder a little bit going down when he was taking hits earlier. And um, uh, we will, we'll see, like I said, I, I, the Eagles have rolled through their two playoff uh, opponents. Uh, I don't think that'll be the case on uh, on Sunday, but uh, but Hertz has not had to, you know, I don't think he's had to confront a defense quite like, well, listen, the 49ers defense is excellent, right? Um, but that game got yeah. out of hand early. And uh, anyway, the, the, the Hertz shoulder, I, I think, is something to kind of keep an eye on early in this game. So, Oh, definitely. If you see him skirting to the outside like he did against San Francisco, you know that he's not feeling feeling it because he, he likes to run that. He likes to run that RPO off tackle and get up there and get those, you know, six, seven, eight yards of carry, which can be, you know, devastating. Right. Because then you don't then you don't know what's happening. But a lot of times in, against the 49ers, he was skirting to his right so he could slide, get out of bounds, and not take a, a big hit on that right shoulder. So, you know, hey, listen, it's the last game of the year. Maybe he throws caution to the wind and says, I don't, I want to do it all, coach. I want all the plays in. And then, you know, the Eagles, the Chiefs defense will have to adjust. Exactly. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Okay, so Joe, you coming out here? You're going to watch a game from from Phoenix? You're going to stay uh, stay in Philly? Going to stay in Philly. We're going to have cheesesteaks and hoagies on one side of the, uh, you know, of the basement uh, TV viewing area. And then we'll have Kansas City Bar. We have a great, there's a great uh, Big Bad Wolf barbecue here in the Philadelphia area. It does a great Kansas City style barbecue. And so we'll have, uh, we'll have barbecue on one side. We'll have the cheesesteaks and hoagies on the other side, kind of going right down the middle of Broadway there for, uh, <laughs> you know, for all of those are going to be watching the game at our house. But it's going to be fun, Blair. And I, I tell you, the one thing I just love, about both of these organizations is from the top, you know, when it starts with the Hunt family and the Lori family and how much respect they have for other teams, you know, the Chiefs and Eagles are are, are usually a, a organization or f- fan bases that don't really start the trouble. They, they, you know, and I, I learned that very early on in my time in Kansas City and how much respect they had for every team that came into Arrowhead. And, and I think the Eagles fans are the same way, maybe a little grittier, you know, having that East Coast, you know, not Midwestern, you know, the the, the, dem- the geographic uh, disparities between the two cities. But for the most part, um, you know, these fan bases are very respectful of, of teams as long as you don't poke them. Right. Like the way that the Bengals poke the Chiefs. Right. The Chiefs fans never would have started all that shenanigans, you know. Um, but you know what? You get poked and, you know, you're going to respond. And I think the Eagles fans, for the most part, are this are the same way. And, and, and you throw in the Kelsey brothers drama that's going on right now. I think it's going to be, I'm actually looking forward to a non drama filled week of preparation where two good teams are going to put their best foot forward, put their best game plan on and go out and play a really competitive Super Bowl because no one's going to be getting caught up in this, that, and the other thing, social media. And I'm sure something's going to leak out somewhere. It's inevitable with social media, but for the most part, I think this is going to be a really fun week of preparation where people are going to be talking, just like you and I are talking about the X's and O's, the Jimmy's and Joe's, as we used to say, that are going to be out on the field and 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 what's going to happen um, during the game and not all the shenanigans that happens before a game. Yeah. And one, one, of course, one sidebar, of course, is uh, big Charlie saloon. Uh, maybe uh, uh, I understand you've got a presence there or uh, there's a photograph in big Charlie's of yeah. your, your family or what, what, tell me about that. But yeah, I mean, just from being, you know, we, my dad, we, you know, I was born not too far from big Charlie's um, in the, in the queen village section of uh, South Philadelphia. And my dad lived uh, grew up and spent most of his life, adult life, not very far from Big Charlie. So it was my dad's uh, haunt whenever he was uh, in town in Philadelphia for a Chiefs game. Um, and that's where he would go when he wasn't out in Kansas City or attending some family function or whatever to watch it, to watch a game. But he was always at Big Charlie's. They'd give him a seat of honor. You know, any any family member of a chief always gets a little seat of honor there and in, in the bar. And it's yeah, it's it's just a great and it's it's a, it's a lifelong thing. I mean, this, they they've loved the Chiefs through the bad times and the good times. This isn't a, they are not a bandwagon like organization or, or, you know, or sports uh, bar fandom, you know, 
that they have there. It did not start with this whole AFC championship run. And it didn't even start with the Joe Montana, Derek Thomas, Christian Okoye upward rise of the Kansas City organization. They go back to all the way back to the Len Dawson and 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 the lean years uh, of 70s and 80s where, you know, they still stuck by the Chiefs. So that's why I think they're such a beloved organization. And I think that's why the fans in Philadelphia love them so much, even the Eagles fans, because they've always been with the Chiefs. They are not a bandwagon group. And they're a really special group of, of, of fans that uh, and they used to come out and spend time with me at our radio show that we used to host um, post-game back in, in the nineties and we'd always get them up there and hang out with us. And they're just, they're just awesome people. And then they love, and they love Philadelphia too. They, they love the Eagles too. They, the front of the bar is more of an Eagles bar and the back of the bar is chiefs. It just happens to be this year. You know, my old fantasy football team of the Kansas Delphia Cheagles is playing. So I had a fantasy football team once for the bunch of guys at work and I called them the Kansas Delphia Cheagles. So it's like my fantasy football dreams are coming true. <laughs> All right. Great stuff, Joe. Really appreciate you spending some time with us and enjoy the week. Enjoy uh, the game on Sunday. How could you not? Should be should be a great one. Just like the the you know the previous Eagles Super Bowl uh, uh, what five years ago, and then one of the Chiefs two Super Bowls, the one against the 49ers, were terrific games. So uh, yeah, and I, I trust Sundays will be as well. I think so, too. These are very equally matched teams. Like I said, the pressure is going to fall on the defense, how they adjust to to Patrick and Jalen. I think those are really the two keys, because otherwise they're all very equal, at, at least very similar, I should say, in many respects. So it's those are the, the two differentiating factors, I think, that are going to be the fun thing to watch once that coin is flipped and the kickoff starts. Good stuff, Joe. Thank you so much. You got it, Blair. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We spoke to Bobby Witt Jr. on Saturday during the Royals rally at Kauffman Stadium and we couldn't let the opportunity pass without asking him about his friendship with Patrick Mahomes. Remember, Witt was a drum honoree at a Chiefs game this season, and he shares his observations of the Chiefs quarterback. He had a, at least some kind of relationship with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, tell us about that and, uh, and just emotional investment in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, it's motivation for sure, just seeing what he's doing and going to some games and just all the work he puts in. I kind of see it from behind, just all the work he puts in the offseason, all the work he puts in during the season and all that energy brings it's all real it's all like just being down there on the sidelines seeing him talk to his wife before the game like let's go we're, we're doing this like it's it's showtime it's just so cool to watch like none of that stuff's fake it's who he is he's high energy he just brings it all to the table and he and it shows and what he's doing so i definitely think that's motivation and it made me become a, a chiefs fan the past few years just because of what the team has done what those guys do over there and just how how great a team that like that culture is as a team, what Coach Reed brings to it and just everything. So it's a lot of fun to watch and looking forward to Sunday. Do you have tickets? 
Walmart. Uh, not yet, no. So we'll see. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. So we'll hopefully get out there. I'll be out in Arizona anyway. So. Are you, still, are you still working out with Bobby? And he's, he's, he's out here, so. Yeah, so and, you're doing APAC yeah. down there, though. Okay. Do you ever cross paths with Patrick in that setting? Just with the uh, off-seasons being different, and they're yeah. always deep in the postseason, so we never really see him up there. That'll do it for today. Thanks to George Howard for producing today's show and to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of Jeff Rosen, Scott Chasen, Monty Davis, and Randy Mason. Okay, we're on the ground in Arizona and bringing you complete coverage of Super Bowl 57 all week. Beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, along with columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell, have you covered, along with the entire star staff. Everybody's covering the Super Bowl this week. So check it out in the print editions of the Kansas City Star, the website, kansascity.com, and my favorite source, the Morning Sports Edition. It was 35 pages today of Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, NBA, NHL, college basketball coverage, including preview of the Kansas-Texas game tonight, so much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.